Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more information about us, please visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Lord, we just we love you. We thank you for what you're doing today. And Lord, I pray now that as Shane comes to share again, that Lord, you would just um, give him again words, anoint his words. May we have ears to hear what you have. In your name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Thank you. Um, how are we? Good? Okay. Our heart's good? You ready for more? 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Uh, he said to me, my great, you, you know this almost by heart, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. How many of you want the power of God to rest on you? How many of you would like to see more of God's power at work in and through your ministry? I think, yes, of course we uh, would. And if you don't think there's more of God's power available, I'm just going to nicely tell you, you're absolutely wrong. You're absolutely wrong. There's so much more of God's power available for you, in you, through you. God's power is made perfect in weakness. So we all want more of God's power. How many of us want to be weak? (laughs) How many of you want others to know that you're weak? On my best moment, which happens once a year, maybe. This is the paradox of power. And I, I, I'm with you. My, nothing makes my flesh scream more than being weak. I just hate weakness. And my flesh hates to be weak and hates to be seen as weak. But the tallest of stature in the kingdom of God grows tall down below the surface, looking short in the eyes of men but towering in the eyes of God. So I want to talk to you about humility because I know you want to see more of Christ's power at work in and through you. Um, If I'm honest, I have not embraced this value fully. I'm pursuing it, but have a hard time with it. I find it painful, but I'm too weak to move forward in my own strength. So I must see God's power at work. Humility is the prerequisite for power. Um, to rest upon us in the Lord. And so our team has spent a lot of time praying and asking the Lord, like, would you give us practices of humility um, that would really help us because we know how strong and resilient our pride is. I mean, I don't know if you feel this way, but I'm like, just the moment you think he's down for the count, he's like, you know, uh, there's a resurrection of my pride every five minutes. Um, and uh, so uh, these things have been very helpful, and I do believe that they'll be helpful to you uh, as well. And there's 24 I'm going to go through in very rapid-fire fashion, 24 of these. The first uh, is ask me always. Um, ask me always. Just hear the Lord saying, ask me always. Don't know, ask. Don't know, ask. God loves to speak. 
We know he wasn't pleased when his people did not inquire of him before they ran off into their plans. Pride knows what to do. Humility doesn't know. It asks. That's the first practice of humility. Second, you don't direct me, I direct you. This one seems so obvious, but actually <laughs> I feel the Lord has to say this to me. Um, Because in my pride, I hinted at this in the last session, but my prayers become a directing of God. And I've had to be rebuked, as I mentioned, for asking, 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 but never actually stopping to hear his answer to what I'm asking for. So we don't direct him. He directs us. Um, Third is permission to speak. Permission to speak. You know when the, the... the increased communication that I was talking about earlier, when that started to happen in my enthusiasm, I wanted to tell everybody uh, what God said or whatever. And uh, in part, it was because it made me feel special. And I wanted other people to know, God said this to me. I wanted to feel validated. I wanted to feel vindicated. Uh, We had a lot of people in our church doubting us every step of the way when God started moving. Um, in an increased manner, I should say. But you know, the Spirit, He didn't come to testify about us. He came to testify about the Son. We must not speak without permission if we want to walk in complete humility. Jesus said, I only say what the Father tells me to say. Think of all the stuff He knew He never said. I only say what the Father tells me to say. I only say it how He tells me to say it comes from the Gospel of John. Permission to speak. Fourth, obey me foolishly. This one again relates a bit to the Naaman uh, session from earlier, Um, but often the answer requires an action that makes us look foolish in the eyes of people. Dipping seven times, building an ark in the middle of the high country, marching around walls and blowing trumpets as if that's going to win a war, you know, strike that spot on the rock to get water. And after the first time, oh, it didn't work. See, God is always at war with our desire to impress the eyes of men. It's Galatians 1.10. Now, am I trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. The significance thing is a hard thing to weed out of us. There's pride attached. That fourth practice, obeying him foolishly, is part of the process. Fifth, believe me persistently. Believe me persistently. You know, pride might give God a try for a while, but if he doesn't quickly make them look good, they'll go back to depending on their own strength. Humility believes him persistently even if it takes longer than they had hoped. Look at Hebrews 11. They all had overcoming faith. Not just faith, but a faith that had to overcome those disappointments and those discouragements. They all cried the tears of perseverance. All the saints did that. They faced disappointment, discouragements along the way and the path to the promise. There's always pain in the middle. They overcame it. They knew that between the promise and the prize was pain. They overcame that. Remember that God's methods and his ways, they always expose and cost what stands between us and him. We think that the direct path is the straight line. Remember that picture of what God's direct path looks like, highs and lows, expectations and disappointments. That is his direct path. And the saints were commended for their persistent dependence, their persevering belief, their overcoming 
faith. So believe him persistently and always remember faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. We have to get his answer to really have overcoming faith. There is a faith that just asks, and I just believe God answers my prayer, but then there's a faith that's able to overcome, and you will not have that kind of overcoming faith without hearing. Faith comes by hearing. We have to get his answer if we're going to persevere. Without the pain, we're not ready for the prize. Don't ever forget that. And it would consume us if we had it. He's better to us than we know. Especially if you're praying for revival, which I know some of you are. The pain on the path to praying for revival is essential if you want to host a revival level acceleration of the kingdom of God in your church. Sixth, wait for me patiently, he says. He wants us to wait with joy for him because we love him and because we trust him. Wait for me patiently. If you think about it, you only really wait for someone very long if you actually really uh, need them for whatever you're doing. And humility is neediness. When we can move on without God, it shows that we, we don't have the humility like, but I need you. I really need you. We only wait for someone also if we really, really want them to go with us. Right? Don't let us go up from here without your presence, no matter what. I don't care if it's your angel's going to go and we're going to get to go right into the promised land or whatever. No. Don't let us go up from here without your presence. We, it's, it's you that we're after. If we love him, then we're not willing to march forward even for success until his timing. Um, I want to be with him more than I want to win. That's a key practice. Um, we only wait for someone also if we trust them, right? We actually believe that they're going to show up. If someone's kind of used to doing no-shows, they could be five minutes late, and we're just going to assume, I'm probably not going God keeps his word. His timeline's usually not the same as ours, but he keeps his promises. Humility trusts him. Seventh, suffer on account of me unwaveringly. Pride is not willing to suffer for anybody, not for very long. But humility will. Eight, come under the blood daily. Confess morning, noon, and night. It is hard to become prideful when we're aware of our sins. Come under the blood. Nine, remember the height from which he fell, referring to Satan. Remember, he is the top of the spiritual, you know, uh, kingdom of God food chain. Um, but in my view, he couldn't handle God giving authority and dominion over creation to Adam and Eve. He fell from the highest height. Christian leaders often don't fall until they get to such high heights. You realize that? We don't really know what we're capable of handling. We think that summits don't come with the temptations of the valleys. But the temptations of summits and success often get those who actually succeeded in the temptations of the valleys and the failures. Hubris born of success, right? Remember the height from which he fell. Tenth practice, don't confuse affirmation with validation. See, affirmation is encouragement. Comments can encourage us. Results in our ministry can encourage us. Affirmation is good. Don't ever confuse affirmation with validation. 
What are you talking about? Validation is defined as the action of checking or proving the validity or accuracy of something. The action of making or declaring something legally or officially acceptable. Recognition or affirmation that a person or their feelings or opinions are valid or worthwhile. So what, what am I getting after here? We might get affirmed by people or by God verbally or by results in our ministries or whatever, but we should not assume that that makes everything we did valid, accurate, legally or officially acceptable, nor does it validate all of the opinions that we expressed on the matter. Pride comes when God moves and we say, see, my ways, my thoughts, my strategy, my opinions, my methods, whatever, it's obviously validated. I've been validated because God moved. We know how much this is happening. In Christendom today, God may bless something. It doesn't mean everything about it was validated. Do not confuse affirmation and validation. I was watching a pastor um, some time ago who was telling about when he had revival in his church decades ago, but he was going on and on and on about the price he paid leading up to revival, the cost that he paid. And I had this really unsettled thing in my spirit. I'm like, I don't think he's supposed to be doing that. <laughs> but, and if I was really honest, I thought I felt, I thought I saw a lot of pride on the man. But then I went back and I watched the guy preaching like 30-something years ago. Whatever. He was a very different guy. A very different guy. we got to be really careful um, about success and confusing affirmation and, and validation. Because God moves, it doesn't mean everything that we did was right. And we've looked to, uh, you know, a lot of churches, and I don't want to dishonor anyone, but many of you know I spent 10 years of my life uh, working at Willow. And a lot of the world looked at us because of the success of getting big. And as if that validated everything Willow did in, in all the ways. Of course, now everyone's like, well, it definitely doesn't validate it. I feel like Willow's like Voldemort now. You can't speak that name. It's very important that when God starts moving, we don't take that as our validation. See? Look now. I hung out on that one for a while. 11, beyond obscurity is anonymity. Seek it. We all know that the secret of humility is secrecy. Jesus taught it, but we live in a culture that values self-promotion. Step away from... Anonymity is obscurity. An obscure thing is not highlighted, right? It's not placed at the center of the top shelf or whatever. But with a little looking, you can find an obscure thing. But anonymity is hard to uncover, even if one's looking for it. How much of God's power do you want at work in and through your life? That's the question. Would you be willing to seek obscurity? Would you even be willing to seek Anonymity. Twelfth practice of pursuing humility so that Christ's power might rest on us. Don't travel unless I send you. This is one of the ones he said to us 
Um, you could consider it. Uh, I suppose it's related to the prior one, but you know, the Christian world today, we kind of feel like as pastors, we're only significant if we travel somewhere. What if we didn't travel unless he sent us? 13, never what you did, what I did. Never what you did, what I did. Last summer, we had this kind of revival week um, that we were hosting. God, God was working powerfully. And one of our staff members, um, so excited, leaned over and told me about the really cool thing God had just kind of done. And she had this like encounter with the Lord. And she was head over heels excited, and I was too. And then she said, and honestly, it just makes me feel so good because I haven't really been praying and I haven't really been reading my Bible and I was feeling kind of bad ab about it, but it, it's like God's just showing me. It doesn't even matter. He just loves me anyways. And on the outside, I just smiled internally. I was like, I was ticked off. <laughs> it's like, hmm, I wanted to tell her. Well, you're just cashing in on somebody else's credit card. <laughs> Don't you know that there were people, and I mean me, who labored and who worked so that you could have breakthrough? I didn't say any of this. But internally, I was like, she's not giving credit where credit is due. It's unjust. God dealt with me. He dealt with me. Never about what you did, what he did. I will tell you, there is a cost to be paid for every breakthrough in the kingdom of God. We have gotten rid of the understanding of the theology of sacrifice because we know we're saved by grace. But there is a cost. But don't talk about it. Just pay it. Never what you did, what he did, if you want to have Christ's power resting on you, And I will say it is actually possible to tell testimonies without telling the part that we played in the testimony. It's very rare I hear anyone share a testimony these days that they weren't the one there ministering in the moment when God worked so powerfully. You know. I mean, once you become aware, I just ruined you because now that you're aware of it, you're going to be like, ah, you know, it's everywhere. It is actually possible. Uh, Fourteen. Serve each other on your team. Serve each, it seems so simple, but, it, you know, serve each other on your team, and, and it is harder to serve in success. It's the people that you know that are closest to you that will rub you the wrong way because you actually know them, and you see all their flaws. You don't see everyone else's. God wants us to serve each other on your own team, the team that you're close with, and bear with one another's weaknesses. Humility does that. Pride thinks its issues are less than the issues of the ones around them. And so it starts to backbite its teammates, like serve each other. Serve each other. And beware of this in times of success. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen very harmonious teams, and then, bam, they hit that moment of, of success, and it destroys the team. And part of the reason why is because someone starts to get noticed and esteemed and credited, and those who are left in anonymity or obscurity begin to, begin to resent it. So prize anonymity now to protect your heart for later. Fifteen, come lower, become less. The river runs to the lowest places. Come lower, go lower still. You think you're low, go a little lower still. 
you want the power of Christ to rest upon you. 16, God says, seek me more, not less. And this is particularly about when, when success starts to happen. You know, when, when we're getting our tails kicked, we can develop, we, we can pass tests. But then what if God begins to move powerfully and success starts to come? The temptations are different. And the ability for pride to um, peak up is, is different as well. So seek him more in those times, not less. Pray daily. Um, 17, God says, I'm your defense. Humility is your offense. You got to take all this to scripture, of course. I'm just sharing the practices as we've heard them. But I'm your defense. Humility is your offense. You know, when Paul's authority was questioned, right, he didn't resort to bragging about his strengths the way they were really asking him to. Instead, he said, I'll boast about my weaknesses, my rejections, my hardships. Humility was his offense. When we're betrayed by others, we've got to be careful that we don't respond by betraying God's principles. We're, we, as his sons and daughters, are not to dishonor But we're being betrayed. The truth must be told. Well, what does the scripture say? First Peter 2, 23, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Humility is your offense. Now, I grew up in Oklahoma, and... Um, my dad loved John Wayne, okay? Anybody grow up like dad made him watch John Wayne? Two, three, four, yeah, six of you. Okay. And, you know, John Wayne's motto is, I won't be wronged, I won't be insulted, and I won't be laid a hand on. I abide by these things and others, and I expect the same from them. Well, I watched the John Wayne movies. And I grew up like, I'm telling you, if someone laid a hand on me, we were going to fight. I was shocked when I moved to Chicago and people were honking at me. I was like, back home, you get pulled over. You know? I mean, I just grew up being a fighter. Like, you just don't take crap from anybody. Like, that was one of the highest values in my family of origin. And then I become a Christian. And it's like, what? Turn the other, other what? You know, this, is, this, is, this was a part of my journey. And obviously, it's, you know, you graduate middle school or high school, and it's no longer about physical violence anymore. It doesn't really change the whole situation. And this whole call to humility is hard because when people start jabbing you, insulting you, attacking you, attacking people you love, then it's even harder. How, what are you going to do? How are you going to respond? And I feel like God gave me something helpful. He just reminded me of football. And... Often I was either a fullback or a wingback. And those positions often are um, blocking people uh, larger than them. And, of course, I remember it also being a corner. And you're often tackling people uh, larger than you as well. And if you want to be on the offensive against someone larger than you, there's only one way to succeed. You have to get lower than them. If your center of gravity isn't lower than theirs, you're toast. And so I kind of look at it like pride runs in like this. Standing tall and humility gets low. 
Humility is actually your offense. And I needed that because I'm like, gosh, I feel like such a wuss. <laughs> God had to rewire my thinking. Like, no, no, no. This is your offense. I'm your defense. Jesus entrusted himself to the one who judges. He's the judge. That's not my job. Humility is your offense. Always remember that in the kingdom of God, the opposite overcomes. You're coming up against pride. You can't meet it with pride to win. The opposite overcomes. Come in with humility. You're coming into a room filled with disbelief, doubt. You, you can't overcome disbelief and doubt with doubt and disbelief. Only with faith. The opposite always overcomes. Um, 18, fear my glory, fear grabbing it. You know, when the ark began to tumble, Uzziah, he didn't fear grabbing the glory of the Lord. You know, in revival, which I know we haven't talked a lot about today, but we did last time, the glory of God invades the atmosphere, begins to fill the atmosphere, fear grabbing it, fear trying to stabilize the glory of God, fear trying to control it, and fear trying to tame it. Fear his glory, fear grabbing it. 19, recall what you deserve and remember what I've done. You know, when the disciples came back from this wildly successful ministry adventure, remember they're like, even the demons submit to us in your name. And they're like so excited. Uh, <laughs> look what's happening. And Jesus taught them how to hold on to humility in times of success. You, you remember this. He said, Hey, rejoice rather that your names are written in the book of life. Which is a really nice way of saying, don't forget what you deserve. And what I've done for you. Humility comes from that. I'm going to tell you, it's hard for me to be prideful when I remember, I deserve an eternity in hell. That's what I deserve. That is what every one of us deserves. We have minimized the problem, and so we have minimized the solution, and a lot of pride grows out of this. But when I remember what I deserve, it's pretty hard to be like, I'm awesome. It helps. 20, ask for my correction and apply my correction. You know, every delay equals distance, increased distance in what God's doing. So if we want to be humble so that Christ's power will rest on us, we won't just wait until God ambushes us with convictions, right? We'll actually ask him to correct us. Not just in, in, in right and wrong, but also just in how we're applying what he's doing in us. Let us be like David who prayed, God, search me, know me, test me, correct me. The sting of correction stings, yes, but it's always less than the fall that's preceded by pride. So don't wait until God, like, convicts you. Ask for his correction. And then apply it. That sting will be less than the, than the ambush every time anyways. 21, yield and be swiftly led. Yield and be swiftly led. You know, don't get ahead of God or try to force his hand. We think that we can move things quicker. Yield to him in his timing. You'll be swiftly led. 22, chain up. Your mind, heart, foot, feet, and mouth. Um, your mind, 
sorry, mind, mouth, feet, and hands. That's what it was. Humility is the willingness, even the desire to be enslaved by him, restrained by him. So don't let your thoughts run amok. Don't let your mouth run amok. And don't run off doing what you think. Like, be restrained. Come under his restraints. Um, again, Jesus says, I only do what the Father is doing. I only say what he tells me to say. I only say it how he tells me to say it. Chain up. 23, competence is dependence. Competence is dependence. If we want to walk in humility, I once felt like I knew what I was doing. You know, I felt competent. The more that the sons and daughters of God are led by the Spirit of God, the more we're taking one step at a time, and we're not, we don't really know what we're doing or where we're going. Our competence, in man's view of competence, diminishes. But in God's eyes, competence is dependence. Are you competent or are you dependent? Of course, I just said the same thing, but you know what I'm saying. Don't hate feeling incompetent and dependent. Because dependence is competence in God's view. 24, allow me to cut you at the knees again and again. Like, what? Surely I didn't hear you right. You know, whenever the people were complaining about water in the wilderness, and God said, you know, strike the rock and water will come out. You know, this was the moment Moses fell, remember? In a moment, he lapsed in seeking God's honor because he wanted to secure his own. When I go and I strike this rock, these complaining people will see I am the prophet of the Lord, and I said it would come, and it will come, and he gets ready to be validated and vindicated before the eyes of everyone, and psh, nothing. And in that moment, he gets angry and hits it again. He loses his permission to enter into the promise because of it. Don't strike the rock twice, for one. But also, allow God to cut you at the knees. Allow God to cut you at the knees. Allow that moment when you strike the rock, because God said water would come out of it. And it doesn't happen. To be the moment you're cut at the knees, not at the moment God gets dishonored. Okay. That'll be the test. Are you out to seek his honor or secure your own? When Jesus was tempted by Satan, remember it was with the words, doesn't the scripture say, he will bear you up? Oh, but doesn't the words say, he will bear you up? When we think trusting the Lord means trusting that he will bear us up. Instead of trusting him and seeking to bear him up, even if it costs us our public image, we've actually gone from trusting the Lord to testing and provoking the Lord. And that's the difference. Jesus was the new and greater Moses, of course, and therefore he could lead us out of a greater slavery and Egypt into a greater freedom and promise. I'm going to invite the band up right now. I'll invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes.
Because I know that there are many of you in this room, you're like, I need more God's power. I want more of God's power resting on me. I'm not even sure what that means, but I, I, I feel like, I, if I'm honest, I'm just doing a lot of stuff of my own strength. I need more. question of how much power God might be willing to trust to us is a question of how low are we willing to go. do a couple things as we worship one I want to encourage you I don't feel like you got to you know stand up and, and begin to participate in worship if God's doing something in you if he's stirring in you and you just want to sit and process that like you sit and process that the second thing I'd like to do is I'd actually just like to make myself available to pray um, for people who you just you, you feel like you need more empowerment you need more power and so I actually like to invite you to just get to extend your hands out like I'm receiving from the Lord you know and actually would you stand up for a moment as we do this too you can sit back down in a, in a second if you'd like God, you told the disciples to wait in the upper room that the promised presence would be poured out on them. You said that, that you, you will receive power to be my witnesses. God, we want to be your witnesses. We want to be those whose lives and ministries and work testify about you. And I just think that there's some people that you want to entrust more power to. And so, Lord, would you, in this little upper room of sorts, would you pour out your spirit? Come, Holy Spirit, come. We need more of your power. We want your power to rest on us. God, we humble ourselves before you. This will sound a little unusual, um, but I do think that there's some of you that you, know, you really need an increased empowerment. And if you're in this room and in this moment or in the, the moments to follow, if you actually feel like the power of God upon you, maybe you'll feel like some electricity or some heat, you know, like something's unusual here. 
then I would like to encourage you, if that's you, I'm just going to, I'm going to actually be down here on the right side, kind of over on your right side. And if that's you, would you just come and say, I think God wants to impart a greater power uh, for ministry onto me and be happy to lay hands and and pray for that, okay? So Holy Spirit, come. You know what we need and you know when we need it. If there are any in this room, this is what we need. And we ask you to come. And I want to remind you as we worship for a couple songs, if you want to just process with the Lord, um, you can do that. If you want to worship him, you can do that. And if you feel like, you know, God's power is is uh, coming upon you, then I want to encourage you to come down and just receive some prayer. Be right down here on the right. Thanks, everybody. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.